a battle-tested marketer, trying very hard to be a writer and philosopher. What we said was when I'm going from a school to college or college to my first job, my life becomes very, very, uh, my life goes undergoes a step change. And generally, these are the phases where we even build new habits. Unfortunately, uh, you know, smoking, but also drinking or, you know, romancing. And so all these new habits start getting created as we start getting older. Could coffee be a new habit which could signal adulthood? A, a brand has to constantly be, be differentiating and building trust. It just boils down to that. And the insight into soft drinks is when young teenage men uh, start drinking a soft drink more, it grows more. And it's very, uh, it's very logical because men are on the road more in the summer. My favorite childhood memory is the whole family in Kasoli. It's a chilly evening. We are having hot uh, sweet corn soup, piping hot, with piping hot spring rolls. Hello, fellows. Welcome to the next episode of Jagged with Jasravi. Subscribe to my channel for conversations at the edge with thought leaders from the branding, marketing, and the business world. Conversations that will ignite new ideas, ideas with rough and sharp edges. Hello, Rashi. Thrilled to have show. Thanks for having me. Okay. So, if I requested you to tweet your profile on for X <laughs> on X, <laughs> might as well have an X factor. Okay, what will it be? I think it will be a battle-tested marketer trying very hard to be a writer and philosopher. Mm, so apt, so apt. So, marketer, writer, philosopher. And my audience will get a glimpse of all of this because it's all feeding into each other, as is very, very clear from your blog. Rashi, where shall we begin? Let's begin. Uh, you were working with Amazon. And yes. before that, it's always been FMCG brands. Yes. Yes. So what was the difference, Rashi? Is working with a technology brand the same as working with an FMCG brand because hmm. yeah typically we would look at the relationship a category has with the consumer and yes. you know look at that but is there a fundamental difference in how a marketer would approach yes. uh, looking at marketing so yes. how how would that be how was your journey so i think uh, the fundamentals of brand building do not change between a tech company and an FMCG company. That was my first learning. But the how changes and the impact a marketer can have in FMCG versus a tech company changes. So the biggest difference is that in FMCG, the marketer owns the product, right? So in an FMCG, a marketer actually works closely with R&D to create the next innovation or to tweak the current product. And products compare, compared to a tech product are much simpler. 
right? Your levers are ingredients, flavors, fragrances, packaging, and then you do you market them. And and frankly, all that is marketing, right? How you design the product is marketing. And and so the marketer is is more in control, has end-to-end control over there. And because that industry is more evolved in India, uh, you could argue that the marketing over there is more sophisticated, right? So these are the brands that are possibly, you know, uh, running more purposeful activities, as we will see with Ask Nestle later that we'll discuss and so on. Um, so, So the thinking there, I thought, is, is more sophisticated and more end-to-end. Having said that, uh, if you're working for a tech brand, then the marketer purely does not own the product because the product is highly technical and there is a whole department of software engineers and product marketers that own the product. So the marketer's job over there is to market the product do uh, top, middle, and bottom funnel marketing and and get more traffic in, get conversions in. So it becomes a pure demand generation function, whereas an end-to-end ownership function. Uh, Because countries like India are still adopting tech, you know, so if, if let's say, and I'm making the numbers up, if half a billion Indians are using FMCG products, maybe only 100, 150 million Indians are using a tech product. So the large task is to drive penetration through education because the next 150 million Indians are possibly not English speaking, not literate, not uh, not very trustful of technology. And and that's where, uh, you know, how you do marketing changes. It's more educational and, and therefore, more hardworking. And, and not to say that FMCG is not hardworking, but you don't have to explain the FMCG product to the consumer. I think those are the big differences. I really liked what how you were explaining when we were having a discussion earlier also, Rashi. You said that how much time a consumer spends with the product is a big uh, clue as to how complicated the product is, how many layers the consumer has to unravel and understand and therein the marketer has to help yes uh, understand so you know when you really look at it you use a shampoo maybe once a week and once you know how to use a shampoo it's rather simple so the wherever products are simple the role of the brand and marketing increases right Because the surface area of the consumer's thought process and involvement in the brand becomes more emotional. So I may wash my hair twice a week, but the weight I put on the shampoo to make my hair behave and even make me look beautiful is a lot more. Uh, In a tech product, you may be spending hours on it, right? So we spend... Uh, you know, we we use Google search maybe 50 times a day. We are on the internet probably all the time, right? So wherever we are using the product more deeply and we are exploring and learning about the product ourselves or through communities, that becomes the brand, right? Mm -hmm. And therefore, the emotion in the shampoo versus the tech product 
there is emotion in both so i i'm not sure that uh, you know there is a black and white area because we are emotional beings everything we do involves some emotion even if we don't realize it so if i'm using a microsoft office my emotion probably there is of reassurance perfection performance winning and like i said with my shampoo maybe my emotion is about looking beautiful and being admired both are emotions so i think uh, the tech marketing tech consumer marketing is not bereft of emotion and and that is probably a myth that uh, you know that some marketers may be living with and uh, saying that you know if an ad advertising for a tech product is interesting or emotional uh, then it's not a good ad uh, right so the the type of emotion changes so when i when i buy something from amazon and you know and i i, I know we've all felt it when the packet comes home we oh. feel excitement right and uh, and uh, we feel excitement because things change the way we live right so i i may be a lazy couch potato but if i buy a treadmill or if i buy new running shoes maybe for a few days i will become a runner that's the power of things and that's a powerful emotion but uh, but i think tech marketers need to start uh, investigating this more and uh, and bringing that out more in their marketing yeah and 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 even if perhaps you could do this parallel education and building a relationship of appreciating in terms of the role that the category is playing or the potential it has uh to play in the consumer's life yes you know the the other thing i've learned is that the when i mentioned education it's not so much about how to use the product but it's really reminding people that listen this product is there for making your life better right and consumers have a have they can learn they they self learn tech products very very quickly um but really for a new brand albeit a tech brand the role is to build trust and to show how we are different so branding in whatever industry we are in even if it's b2b is about building trust yeah and uh, and showing why you should buy from us how we are different mm. right so i think that's the education uh, that is involved so establishing relevance and credibility in yes. a way uh because it's 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 a category that is trying to find like find, find more space in the consumer's yeah. life find a more basic so let's go to the other brands since we have the advantage of rashi who's worked on very very different categories very very deeply very very innovative uh, uh things that have been done okay so ask nestle let's start at the beginning how did you get the idea and how did you make sure that you made it such a big force mm -hmm. uh, for a company which uh, was essentially product centric uh, so uh, you know there must have been a lot of uh, building a foundation for something like this how did you go about it so nestle is a company that always has invested in building a corporate brand and so when i joined the company the responsibility of the next wave 
of corporate branding fell upon my shoulders and and uh, really before i launch into the story it's, it was really a huge team effort and the the entire company sort of supported this initiative but really uh, i think we connected two three very simple dots to arrive at this idea of ask nestle the first point was that we did not want to be a corporate brand or or own a purpose where we were just talking we wanted to walk the talk right the second was we were a we are a food company it's a nutrition company right the the tagline of nestle corporate is good food good life and uh, what the the corporate brand that we had been doing was all talk right there was uh, you know some ads made on uh, girl child education they didn't really tie back to the purpose of good food good life um and so we said we have to walk the talk we have to be about nutrition and good food which leads to a good life our core consumer is the mom right not the girl child but mom for children and as we started going deeper into what consumers think do behave feel about food we realized that growing up kids and feeding them nutritious food is a national obsession every mother went to sleep planning her next day's meal she woke up thinking of what she will cook and what she will buy in fact most of the uh, basket filling happens at night in big basket and groceries and all when they're sitting and planning the next day's cooking and so we said we've got to so so that's a national obsession but knowledge is rare so there is huge knowledge asymmetry on nutrition when I, when you google when you read a science article or speak to your mother in law or you speak to your friends one day people say ghee is good then they say olive oil is good then they say egg yolk is good then they say no whole yolk is good whole egg is good so there is a huge level of complexity and complication the minute we got these three four dots we connected them and we said we have to create a digital service brand called ask nestle which helps mothers create nutrition plans for their kids right because we had the knowledge we have nutritionists we understand nutrition and and at the same time it has to be personalized to a woman so if i am living in west bengal and we are fish eaters i need a meal plan which has fish twice a day if i am in south india i need sambar and dosa twice a day right if i am in north and so on so we created personalized nutrition plans you can feed your child's height weight age uh, etc and according to that the calorific intake he or she needs we gave scientifically designed plans and of course then we created many many other uh, sort of tools that a mom can use there was a growth tracker there was a you know uh, she could feed in what's there in her refrigerator and a nutritious recipe would bounce out of the website there were Uh, i'd forget now but i think there were 5000 recipes we created so we really wanted to become a one stop shop that helped moms feed their kids good food and this became india's first food tech service brand 
So that was the thinking. So corporate brand, walking the talk, and it has to be centered around nutrition. And then you went with, what is the value? Am I going to my main TG? Yes. Now you went all for it. Yes. Whatever was the need, whether it was making it regional, whether it was innovating, whether it was recipes, you went all out to be of real value for the consumer. What were the key challenges, Rashi, for having a service like this, which was like, I mean, it it literally took birth while you were there and then you had to sustain it, grow it, and for, for making it a credible benchmark of sorts. What were the key challenges and how did you tackle them? So in, in, in such uh, tasks, uh, and especially the minute you get into digital marketing, the biggest challenge becomes content creation. So uh, building a content machinery at low cost, which is also nutritionally and scientifically correct, which is vetted uh, by all the experts, uh, was really the task. Uh, and it took us some time to get that right. Um, and second, as a as an FMCG company, getting the right tech uh, to support it was the the second big challenge. So we knew if we got the right tech partners, if we got the right content partners, we would make it big. So finding the right partners and then getting the entire toolkit, entire content machinery to be accurate, legally, nutritionally, and for the mom was the biggest challenge, but it was not insurmountable. And and that's why we were able to make it work. And during COVID, uh, I think our, uh, our visits really went up. And the goal was to create a community of moms who would uh, speak to each other, help each other out, so, um, and, and, and that's really what uh, we started out to do. I don't know, like, uh, I'm just trying to get deeper into this. Okay. Um, sustaining a community, having content uh, that people are really devouring, using for something like food. I'm saying, like, pe- people are looking for recipes all the time, but mostly it's, <clears throat> around taste as well. So, I yes. mean, of course, taste is also very important. You go to a Tarla Dalal, maybe <laughs> less uh, Nestle. So, you know, how did you make yourself a preferred place for regular moms to keep coming? Because that was the one question that was coming to me. Because taste is very important. Of course, nutrition is equally important uh, in the initial years uh, where the mom is obsessing more, uh, perhaps. And Sustaining a community, again, such a big challenge that they really, uh, you know. And yes. the other thing was, was it giving you any insights uh, for for the innovation? Uh, did it, did it, were there any surprising insights about how you felt that Nestle needs to interact with mothers? Uh, because communication is one thing which you just do when you're out. But here, like, this is so active palpable kind of a connection you build with consumers when you're doing content and uh, having a community so anything you want to share there hmm. so uh, this was what uh, so we spent a lot of our money in getting the content made and getting the technology going 
And we wanted this to be an organic growth platform. So in the first year, we did uh, some advertising. We got uh, Times of India front page ads, I think four to five weeks in a row. We did a, a TV campaign, uh, which introduced Ask Nestle, but uh, we ran the campaign on YouTube only. And through that, a lot of moms discovered Ask Nestle. And once they discovered it, they started coming back. Now, even to kids don't eat anything they don't find tasty. Right. So when we say we put in nutritious recipes, we put in tasty, nutritious recipes. But we, we, for example, recommended a millet dosa, which is probably slightly, you know, it's a different kind of nutrition than a rice dosa. And so, and this was probably one of the few websites which gave the nutritional um, um, sort of under uh, chassis of every meal. So a mother can go to a Tarla Dalal and get the recipe and she must, but she can also come to Ask Nestle and find out what is the nutrition chassis of the meal she's feeding her child. And that kind of service helped build a certain customer base of deep engagement. We were not looking for scale. We were looking for maybe 10 to 20 million moms to come and become engaged users. Uh, we did not really get the community work started uh, because we were still, uh, you know, building the content and scaling it. So we need more tech uh, to get a community going where, you know, people can come in and chat with each other. Maybe a WhatsApp functionality would help uh, that. So I don't think we, we were able to build a robust community. But we did create a customer journey. So Nestle also has a very strong CRM team. And uh, what we did, and, and you know, the CRM team used to all, always get nutrition-related questions from moms anyway. And what we started doing was we started building a customer journey from there to ask Nestle. And we said that, you know, uh, if she uh, came for a question, we said, we have, you know, five articles on this. I'm sending you the link. Why don't you go to Ask Nestle and try it? So it was probably a expertise consultation, a human consultation. But were we able to create a community where moms are talking to each other? No. Deep engagement was the agenda with a certain kind of mom profile. Yes. And uh, everything that they require was part of the thinking. So um, Rashi, now you're still at Nestle. And uh, would you like to talk about coffee? We are getting to the coffee time as well. So Nescafe Classic. Uh, so at that point in time, when you were handling uh, the brand, what were the key challenges? Because I started work, I, I worked with you and it started from research. And I know how you make sure that you ensure unconventional research. And uh, you're very creative about um, you know, the data collected and, and, and what else it can mean. I mean, I've witnessed it firsthand. Mm -hmm. uh, you are my client. <laughs> the most creative uh, HUL client I've ever had uh, the honor of working with. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, the Nescafe Classic, uh, at that point in time, the category challenge, how did you unearth the lever to come up with a campaign that we are also going to talk about. 
you know, this was a category building problem. So we are tea drinkers in North and West and uh, we don't uh, really know coffee that much, right? Indians don't, it's it's not the top of mind drinks and, and uh, all these cafes that have opened up, opened uh, our eyes to coffee and coffee became a social drink. So the task was how to get coffee into people's homes, how to make it a habit. How, um, and what, what I said was that, you know, there are three times in our lives, uh, three rites of passage when we change brands. One, uh, you know, when we start our first job, when we first get married, and hopefully we have only one marriage, and when we have a child, right? So these are the three times when we really change our life completely and change our brands. So I said, what could be a rite of passage that we could anchor coffee on, right? And uh, what we said was when I'm going from a school to college or college to my first job, my life becomes very, very, uh, my life goes undergoes a step change. And generally, these are the phases where we even build new habits. Unfortunately, uh, you know, smoking, but also drinking or you know romancing and so all these new habits start getting created as we start getting older could coffee be a new habit which could signal adulthood and this is a cultural uh, this is infusing coffee into culture and into a rite of passage that will keep happening whether coffee is there or not but we need to infuse it there because coffee is a mental stimulant. We know that when we look at the history of coffee. So that's when we said that as when you are getting into your first job or first college, everything you do has greater consequences. You need rocket fuel. And you need strong coffee. So you better start drinking coffee. And then, of course, the agency does their magic and the agency planners helped uh, really uh, chisel the brief. So anything we do is never an individual effort. There's always a village. And uh, and that's how Badal Raifki Raftar was born. And uh, we also accompanied it with a product film where we taught Indians how to make coffee. And, and that's the education part, right, which I mentioned on tech. So if, if tech consumer brands are underpenetrated, when you look at coffee, it's underpenetrated. Right? So while we intuitively may know how to make tea, not all of us know how to make coffee. Therefore, as the market leader, that was the second leg of the campaign to teach people how to make coffee. So rite of passage, adulthood, and this akin to taking decisions because that is what adulthood is about. And yes. I've seen the campaign. It's like, I'm going to choose my college. Uh, the you know the parent is not happy about it. But then there's a whole negotiation going on. It's like okay, fine. Now let's have coffee and talk like adults. This is very very interesting to about the life ki raftar and a coffee trying to own it because that's what that life stage is about. Yes, that peace is changing, and that life stage pushes you into situations where you have a beverage, right? In college, so we don't have beverage breaks in school because we don't we have a regimented day but the minute you get into college your life is not regimented people are hanging around in canteens drinking stuff 
coffee had better be one of the things available for them to drink right yeah, yeah. the other interesting thing that you said was educating people about making coffee yes uh, which is very interesting and 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 how it started so how uh, did this understanding come that because I, i'll tell you where it's coming from because uh, i've worked on tang for some time and the whole thing was that people have stopped buying these powdered uh beverages because mm-hmm. um this one it's effort second is the standardized making is not happening so the taste is different every time and they don't want to get into this so you know the whole so the whole education did actually start happening and they then of course you know the other thing that marketers in this case do is that have a pet bottle with already made as well so a standard taste um benchmark is getting created in the on the palate so how did this uh, understanding and you know usage happen that coffee also we have to teach people how to make it came out of consumer research right and and right. that was the power of the research that the pnl head and the nestle research team had done uh, but the ad that you remembered in that ad the dad learns that the son has gotten into a college and he says uh you know as, as a way of endorsing the son's choice he says thoda pani thodi coffee thodi chini thoda garam pani aadat mm. dal lo then the child says strong hai aadat dal lo zarurat padegi mm. that's all so in food yeah. no two houses cook dal coffee tea anything the same way mm. all we can do is tell them these are the ingredients that go into it now whether you want it strong or light you want to add milk or not that's your choice mm. all we say is you when you make coffee it needs hot water sugar and coffee at the minimum and that's what we did interesting okay so rashi now uh, we move from uh, nestle and nescafe and hot beverages and yeah we're going to be women for a while <laughs> but we'll talk about lakme yes lakme was a brand up there uh, in terms of you know iconic campaigns the products that it brought it was like you know pride of india but you know it it, it was not masi mm-hmm. uh, right and then of course over a period of time international brands come in and the stuff that every indian brand has gone through now aspiration innovation and you got to match every aspect that the consumer sees value in this is this is what i have as a consumer you could say been a witness to and of course now there are lakme salons uh, the delivery arm of the products uh, as well as other services so i loved when you said that lakme was always the bride's maid never the bride so with that challenge when you came on board mm-hmm. what was it primary in your mind that you, you that you and your team decided to change and how did you go about it when was this if you could situate it also for our audiences just for a context this was 2001 and uh, maybe a couple of maybe one and a half years ago unilever had purchased lakme from the tatas and uh, i was i was part of lakme skin care and i said that skin care was always the bridesmaid never the bride because 
Lakme Color Cosmetics was much larger than skincare. And uh, this, this, so the Lakme business had a separate sales team, special speciality division that knew how to sell color cosmetics. And, and they focused a lot on selling that. And, and that's why I said, uh, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And we needed to really turn around the brand because it was uh, second fiddle to color cosmetics, which was more fun, more glamorous. Uh, and at that time, uh, you know, like you said, Western brands had come into India and uh, like my skin, uh, you know, was losing relevance very fast. So uh, it was a it was my favorite stint, uh, one of my favorite stints. And what we did was first we got the fundamentals right. Right. No brand in FMCG can grow big if the sales team does not sell it if the beauty advisors don't know how to sell it. So the first job was to get the basics right. So training beauty advisors on the product, helping them learn the skincare, helping them learn how to sell it, uh, you know, uh, getting beauty advisor incentives in place, um, you know, uh, starting a relationship with all the sales heads uh, on, on, on skincare. Then second was making it visible. So in those days, grocery also was very, very crowded. And so uh, the, the second step was making the brand visible. So we invest, we created a merchandising kit, which made the brand look good. We trained the sales team in merchandising skincare because they knew how to merchandise and position color cosmetics, which has its own stands. But skincare had no stands. So mm. how do you display skincare on the shelves? So I think that itself must have been 40 to 50% of the job of turnaround. And then the second part was, as you know, skincare and beauty is all about product innovation. How do you get many, many, many products going? Because, you know, we like to change our, uh, we like to experiment and we like new flavors and we like new fragrances. So getting our innovation range going so we launched a strawberry silk uh, scrub. We launched a strawberry silk creme. Uh, you know, we launched many, many new innovations. So that refreshed the brand, made it look mastige. Um, you know, uh, we changed the packaging. And third was communication. Because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, that if shampoo is a simple product, the emotion quotient is very high. Same in, in skincare and the insight that the uh, color cosmetics team came up with on what LACME stands for is, is uh, you know, seductive beauty. Um, and, and therefore, around that, uh, we made some beautiful communication, which, which again built relevance of the brand. So I think the brand just needed some attention and a, a little bit of love and uh, just getting the fundamentals right. Merchandising incentive and training new products and new communication that was the formula simple we any favorite product that you launched uh, at that time that you really enjoyed oh all of them were magnificent uh, <laughs> but we launched a limited edition range called ICs, uh, and uh, we took uh, we took inspiration from japanese skincare at that time korean skincare was not big, but Japanese skincare was still very uh, loved. And we took inspiration from Sisheido and all of those brands. And we launched a highly 
packaged, highly designed skincare. So we launched a icy cool gel uh, for because in the summer when you moisturize your face you sweat. So this was a gel based moisturizer with the David of cool water fragrance. So we used fine fragrances. Uh, we launched a body avocado body butter, and we launched shimmer moisturizers. So it was one of the first innovations that merged makeup and moisturizing. And today you see BBCC creams everywhere. So some very cutting edge range of products. And I thoroughly enjoyed working on that. I think I remember, wasn't there an entire range that gel yes. uh, for oily skin that it felt so right and so nice? Yeah. Uh, because creams typically oily skin, so that was very, very highly innovative. And uh, yeah, bringing the from the equity of Lakme, the makeup elements into uh, skin care at that time. That, that, that's awesome. Okay. So, beauty bhi ho gaya, coffee bhi pi liya. Oh, close up kia kia. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. quickly go through that campaign also because I think that was also a very, very creative talked about campaign in those times. Yes. Uh, we didn't know HUL could do, you know, something so disruptive in terms of creativity. Um, I mean, you know what I'm saying. So, I mean, if there's a set process and there's a there's a set uh, and highly researched and checklisted process, sometimes it's difficult to do something which is so creative and, you know, like like the, I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about that close up the, the, yeah. the, the sound, the tone, the, the way it got presented, everything was so different from the way the category was going about uh, and from the way the kind of uh, communicating uh, communication that HUL would do for its FM, FMCG products. So what would you like to share about that campaign? close up What was the challenge you were facing and how did you go about it? Sure. So close-up uh, at that time, and this was 2002-2003, was also a 30-year-old brand. In fact, close-up was born the year I was born. Uh, and uh, close-up has been a disruptor from day one. So when all toothpastes were white and chalk-based, close-up was the first gel and colorful toothpaste of the world. And of course, India. Right. And uh, over time, what had happened was, and, and this happens, I think, to all, all legacy brands, is that newcomers come in and they change the narrative of the category. Then the legacy brand has to keep up. So Colgate was always known for strong teeth. Uh, Pepsodent came in with a strong Jeremy Czech uh, conversation and um, and, you know, uh, uh, cavit uh, uh, children eat sweets. Therefore, they need pepsodent to kill those germs. And that was very powerful. So somehow the narrative changed to that. And close-up started being doubted by consumers to say, but this, does this give me strong teeth? Does this give me functionality? So, so our share had started declining. So while we were working on correcting the product and figuring out what we want to do with it, um, and you're right, we broke the processes and the credit goes to my uh, boss and his boss who, who took the charge on this and they just called Piyush Pandey and said, help us, 
tell us what we should do and and it's really this you know these these creative uh, heads have insight into culture into human psyche that us mere mortals don't and uh, ogilvy's team pushpi and sagar came up with this kya aap close up karte hain campaign and sometimes all a brand manager needs to do is not come in in, in the way with the rational brain and i think that's all i did so i i didn't jinx it i i wasn't a speed bump uh it it broke category codes but then that's the close up way so we went back to our roots of fresh breath white teeth close up confidence and and it was why the campaign worked so well was because it was true for the brand it called out the equity that uh not everyone is looking for john john kill some that there is a segmentation logic in the market some people are looking for fresh breath white teeth confidence and they are younger and they are mm. optimistic they see the glass half full and for those people we have close up right mm. and and that's why it worked so well and of course after that we we relaunched the product we did another disruptive thing where we are the first brand that went for a metallic tube we are the first brand that changed the cap of the tube so uh, of toothpaste so the caps that you get today are those big shaving cream caps and close up was the first brand that went into that uh, so so a, a brand has to constantly be, be differentiating and building trust it just boils down to that right yeah so, yeah. so that was the close up story yeah awesome <laughs> okay so um sprite hmm. oh, another different category now <laughs> yes. so let's let's talk about sprite so um you know sprite was growing organically and this was an era uh this was 2007 right after the pesticide crisis so all the clear soft drinks were growing fast you know the clear the orange ones were growing automatically because consumers will drink a soft drink in the in the summer it's just that they started picking the non black ones it was growing and the insight into soft drinks is when young teenage men uh start drinking a soft drink more it grows more and it's very uh it's very logical because men are on the road more in the summer Uh, right they are uh, and and they need a refreshing beverage to quench their thirst and to be a pause on a on a hot day and uh, that's really the critical mass of soft drink glass bottles which is really where the business grows uh, so sprite was already a loved brand amongst men and boys and when you see the advertising historically and you see the brand sprite it was being built for it's it's a masculine brand versus a fanta or a limka which feel like feminine brands right so what we needed to do was we needed to uh, really pull sprite into a leadership position our advertising was doing really well you know we were we were doing a good job but how do you get people to buy more so in the soft drink industry every summer and and this is this is the way marketing is done there are under the crown promotions so when you buy a, a glass bottle there is a crown and under the crown you remove the plastic and there is a scheme there is a prize 
and this is the consumer promotion like uh, like lux does 4 plus 1 free forever right this is the way soft drink marketing is done so we needed to give a a a, a consumer promotion that was on brand sprite and loved by young men and so again this was not my idea but somebody in in coke gave us this idea the integrated marketing head gave us this idea where he said that look 98% of mobile phones at that time in india were had prepaid connections and if you remember this was the time when data was still expensive so the young men and young uh, girls were obsessed with prepaid data talk time right uh, my talk time is over wait let me buy 10 rupees worth talk time so we were the first consumer promotion that gave talk time free under the crown and that just took off so you're you're paying 10 to 12 rupees to buy a sprite bottle but you're also uh, if you're lucky you may get 10 to 15 rupee worth talk time and and that just took off and uh, and helped the brand grow even faster than what it was mm. yeah you 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 made me remind about the time the talk time yeah. the talk, talk time, time. even even <laughs> chemists were selling talk time you know yeah. time Absolutely. everybody was selling talk time yeah it was an obsession yeah okay alternate profession could have been a, a psychiatrist mother's best advice just be happy oh <laughs> what would you do on mars for fun try and breathe as per your best friend your most often used phrase uh let's take that <laughs> okay it was a demonstration uh, nice okay a book you'd like to gift to all your friends a book called kakold by kiran nagarkar i've read it twice and i think i'm going to read it a third time now wow i love it I'll come back to it in terms of what it is. Mm. Thanks so much about it. Okay, what's something new happening in your life right now? Oh, I've uh, started my own consulting business, and I'm learning the ropes as I go along. That's what's new. Okay, what's your favorite childhood memory? My favorite childhood memory is the whole family in Kasoli. It's a chilly evening. We are having hot uh, sweet corn soup, piping hot with piping hot spring rolls. <laughs> you took us there <laughs> okay if you were to devote the rest of your life to philanthropy what cause would you choose i think two uh, one is definitely education uh, for youngsters and second is uh, something for women uh, you know to remove misogyny awesome okay what's your greatest joy oh my greatest joy is uh, a book and solitude mm philosopher we started <laughs> there <laughs> yeah. what's a lesson that took you a long time to learn this too shall pass what is one missed opportunity that you wish could have a second chance at uh i think i i quit unilever too soon i think that was a missed opportunity uh if i request you to share any online addresses emails um so people know how they can reach you it'll be mm-hmm. part of the show notes as well 
Sure. So uh, I write a regular newsletter on performance.substack.com. So it's P-E-R, P-E-R-F-O-R-M-O-N-K-S. Thank you for that. Performance.substack.com. There's also a website, performance.com. Um, and so you can reach me there. You can uh, send me a message on LinkedIn or you could send me a DM on uh, Instagram. I'm there as Performance Rashi. Uh, very happy to get in touch. I've I started listening to Jagged with Jasrabi and what I really like is the focus on marketing learning and and bringing alive the academic and practical concepts for the listeners and i think this is a very unique space in in marketing podcasts in india so i i highly recommend that you listen to it because i've started listening to it myself yeah okay thank you so much rashi uh it was really a privilege to have you and uh, we've been talking about it since some time and i'm glad it happened Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it.